Okay, good morning. Beginning our last week of Masechus Ervin, we are on Daf Tzadik Ches Amun Beis, the Mishnah. Today, Bezat Hashem, we're learning Daf Tzadik Tes, but you can't start in the middle of nowhere. And the Mishnah, about nine, ten lines up from the bottom of Tzadik Ches Amun Beis, says the following. Omed Adam Bishus HaYachid Metatel Bishus HaRabim. An interesting case. A person is standing in a Shushayachid. Let's say, as Rashi explains, let's say he's on a roof and he's patching Metatel Bishus HaRabim. Right? He's patching with like a ball or something, let's say, in the Rishus HaRabim below. But he's not in the Rishus HaRabim. Or, Rishus HaRabim Metatel Bishus HaYachid. Conversely, right? He's in the Rishus HaRabim. The object is in the Rishus HaYachid and he's moving the thing around. He's a le- the the uh, Mishnah is saying a person can do that. It implies it can do that totally. As long, right, as he doesn't move it more than Arba Amos. What does it mean? It's very interesting. Rashi. So let's say he's playing with a ball. This is a big Chiddush. We'll see this Mishnah is filled with, uh, with Chiddushim, in my opinion. As follows. First of all, so you have to, we have to take it slow. We know that there is a malacha of hotza. We've been discussing this now. Masechah Shabbos, Masechah Erevin. So the classic hotza, you would say, is to bring something from Rishas Arabim or to Rishas Yachin, vice versa, right? The very first mission of Masechah Shabbos. We know that also Ha'avaris Dalit Amos, Rishas Arabim, is also the Isra to Orisa of hotza. And so if you conceptualize hotza in Rishas Arabim, as taking it out of your own Rishus. In other words, you're standing in Rishus HaRabim, the Daladamos around you, let's say, would be considered your own personal Rishus HaYachid. Okay? So that if you are carrying an object more than Daladamos, you've effectively carried it outside of your Rishus HaYachid into Rishus HaRabim. That's a way of conceptualizing it. And therefore, even though you are, in fact, outside in the Rishus HaRabim the entire time, we're going to call that Hotza. Now, in this case, the amazing thing is, you are in a different Rishos, let's say you're in Rishos HaYachid, you're moving the object in Rishos HaRabim sort of remotely, but you're not moving with the object. So maybe this is how you could conceptualize it, that without you being there, it's not really Hotza, right? Wherever you are, defines your own Rishos HaYachid. You're just patching with that item outside uh, in the Rishos HaRabim, and you're moving it around. Now, obviously, there's not going to be any Malacha unless you move it down Ramos. Once you move it down Ramos, the Gemara is going to discuss, you're either going to be Asa Midaraisa or Midarabonim. But within that Dalad Ramos, you're not even going to make a, the, as Rashi explains, we're not even going to make a Gezerah that you're going to pull the ball towards you. Which is actually surprising, right? Because we make so many Gezerahs, we're so careful with so many things. Does anything seem like more likely than the fact that something that you're playing with outside you're going to actually pull towards you? And yet, that they weren't goes around. So I think that that's somewhat surprising. But that, in fact, is the Lacha, that as long as you're not going to move it down Ramos, it's Mutter Lachatchila to move that thing around. That's the first clause of the Mishnah. Then, following, it says as follows. This is talking about urination into Rishus Harabin. Rishus Harabin, Yashin, Rishus Yachid, right? So urinating back and forth uh, from Rishus Harabin into Rishus Yachid, that you cannot do, okay? So urinating and spitting is going to be considered similar in this particular case. So in there, we're going to say that you cannot do that. Now, why would that be different? Well, that's different because it's an, let's say, the spit. The spit is an actual projectile that's going to actually going to go from one Rishus to another, right? This is not. A case of where you're actually standing in one rishus and the object is in the other rishus and you're moving it. This is actually a case where the object is emanating from you in your rishus and then actually being projected into the other rishus and therefore that's going to be usher. Why would you think that it's mutter? What's the hava mina that this thing was going to be mutter? Well, we'll see in the Gemara. Why would you think that it is not a problem to have a, to project to have a projectile and to spit from rishus rab to rishus yachid? We are going to see. Now, Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Perhaps the biggest chiddush of all here is that as once saliva 
We're going to discuss this in the Mar also. Nitlash, technically, as we know from Talash, right? We learned in Masechah Shabbos. So that means to pluck the fruit off the tree. Once the saliva is no longer, let's say, embedded in your salivary glands, and once it's already been expelled into your mouth, so now you have saliva in your mouth, at that point, you can't walk down almost until you spit it out. Amazing. Meaning, carrying saliva, collected saliva in your mouth is considered carrying. Wow. So that is probably the biggest chiddush of all in the Mishnah. So the Mishnah. I guess the Rabbi Yom Kippur, I'd like, you know, I had some spittle in my mouth. Yeah. They're not allowed to swallow it. Sure, you're allowed to. Isn't that considered like, you know, your own, uh, you know, liquid? Right. So I would say that with regards to that question of swallowing your own spittle on Yom Kippur, that that's not achila. That's not eating. So that's a good question, though. But but you're bringing up the point, which is, you know, this spittle in your mouth, isn't that just part of you? Why would that be considered carrying? So we'll see in the Gemara. Part of you. Part of you. Right. So we're going to see in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Masni la Rav Chinnah bar Shlemia lechia bar Rav Kamei the Rav. So Rav Chinnah was talking in front of Rav, and he said, Lo yadam, lo yamad adam b'shus yachid u'metalta b'shus rabim. Right. So he said, a person can't stand b'shus yachid and move things from b'shus rabim. Well, that's directly in opposed in opposition to the Mishnah. So it looked like Rav Chinnah was saying in front of Rav something which was the exact opposite. It sounds like he's saying that it's a it's a isur daraisa as opposed to our Mishnah says that's mutar lagamri to do so. So what's going on? So Amalei. So Rav answered Rav Chinnah, Chinnah rather. Shavakt Rabbanon Vavat Rabbi Meir. Ah. So you discarded the sheet of the Rabbanon, which is reflected in our Mishnah, and you hold like Rabbi Meir. So apparently this idea in our Mishnah that you could stand in Rosh Hashanah, let's say, move something in Rosh Rabbim, that was a machlokas, right? And that machlokas, Rabbi Meir, right, holds that it's Asr, which is what Rav Chinnah was quoting, and our Mishnah reflects the view of the Rabbanon, which is that it's Mutter. So as we arrive at Tzadik and Aleph, we say the following, Rav Chinnah, why did Rav Chinnah follow Rabbi Meir? Because, who suffer me to say for Rabbi Meir, Rosh Nami, Rabbi Meir. Right, we're going to see this in a few dapim from how this, he, we're, we're preempting the Mishnah, foreshadowing as we sometimes do. And we're saying that over there, he thought that since he knows that the Seifa is Rabbi Meir, he thought that the Rasha was also Rabbi Meir and should also represent his, his, uh, his view. And the Gemara concludes, Velohi, but that's not the case. Seifa, Rabbi Meir, Varesha, Rabbanon. And know that even though the second part of the Mishnah of the Seifa is Rabbi Meir, the beginning part could be the Rabbanon, and therefore it can be that the Lach is like Rabbanon, and that's in fact how Rab held. Okay. Now let's get into the Mishnah as follows. So what's going on over here? That as long as he doesn't take it out of the Dalramos, says the Gemara, the Gemara, here's the implication of the Mishnah. That if you did actually take, let's say, the tennis ball outside of the four Amos, you're going to be Chayev what? The Oraisa, right? As evidenced by the Chayev Chatos here. Okay, so Lema Misaylele Rava, perhaps this idea where you're going to be Chayev Chatos, if you move it out of Dalramos, it would be um, a data point to support Rava as follows, because what Rava said, Amar Rava, Hamayir Chefetz Mitchilas Arba Lusof Arba VeHeviro Derech Alav Chayav. So Birnbaum was perplexed by this. Let's just first explain what it means. A person is standing, let's say, in a Mokum Pator. Let's say he's standing um, right on, on a plate or on a platform uh, within Rishus, right in a Rishus Harabim, and he passes an object over himself. He passes an object over himself. From beginning Arba to Sof Arba, which is to say that he passes it at least Dalat Amos. Rava's Shita, Heviro Darach Alav, means he passed it over himself through a Malkam Ptur. He's high of Midor Raisa. What does this mean? So I thought maybe it meant like this, right? That, again, the Isra is Havaras Dalat Amos Bishas Harabim. And so the issue would be like this. We thought that the classic Halacha, Isr, of Havaras Dalat Amos Bishas Harabim is Andrew's walking in the Rishas Harabim and holding the object. And so he's taking the object out of his own rishus, right? Once he's moved more than Dalat Amos from his own private rishus ayachet into rishus harabim. That's what we thought. And therefore, in the absence of Andrew, the object itself, or in the absence of Andrew walking through rishus harabim, Dalat Amos, a full Dalat Amos, the object itself is not going to be, you know, creating an issue without Andrew actually being there. Uh, so maybe this is what this is what um, 
we're thinking is the similarity in Rava, because both in the case of Rava and in the case of where you're not in the actual Rishos as the object is moving, in both cases, let's say you have Daladamos, and out of those Daladamos, like two of those Amos, you were, it was over a Makum Ptur. So you see that you're lacking, right, the requisite walking Daladamos with the object, right, the entire, traversing the Daladamos the entire length with both you and the object walking through. So perhaps, right, the sheet of Rava that says that you can traverse a Makum Ptur, and still, the fact that you went Daladamos from beginning to end, even though there's a Makum Ptur in, be- in, in between, means that you don't have to have a full Daladamos of both the individual and the object moving. But as long as at the beginning, at the end, you've arrived and accomplished what, moving an object, Daladamos, then you're going to be Chayyav. That, that is what the Chayyav is. But the, but the Gemara is going to say that that's not necessarily a good comparison, because in one case, the individual is actually standing in, right, is the individual is actually standing in the place, as opposed to in our Mishnah, the individual is totally removed, and the object is simply being moved without the individual being there in the same Rishus. As the Gemara says, Mikitani Him Chatas, did we say that if in fact, in our Mishnah, that if we moved the object, the full Dalad Amos, that you're going to be Chayev Chatas? We didn't. All we said is that if you don't move Dalad Amos, that you're not going to be Chayev at all. That's going to be Mutal Could be, says the Gemara, Dilma, Im Hotzi, Pater Avalaser. It is possible to say that in our case, in our Mishnah, it's not going to be like Rava, who holds that it's an Isidar Raisa to pass over yourself in a Makam Tor. But rather, it's going to be a different Allah. It's going to be more Makil. That when you're in a Rishus Yachin, moving something in a Rishus you're only going to be what? Pater Avalaser, which is a way of saying that it's only going to be Aser Derabanan. Okay, so that's another way of saying maybe you have to be in Rishus Rabim to be Chayiv, right? Like we were saying, that, that would be the case of Rava, right? In order to be Chayiv, Havar, Rishus Rabim, maybe you have to be in it. As opposed to our Mishnah, where you're standing in Rishus Yachid, in that particular case, you're, all, you're not really going to be ever Chayiv for that, but for an Iser Darabanan. That is one version of the discussion that they had about this. Now we're just going to have the other, like, backwards, sort of discussing it from the other direction, as we often do, as follows. Ika, the Amri, some had the following version of that dialogue, as follows. Yeah, we're going to get some Musa, but this is not it. You can tell that this isn't Musa, right? <laughs> so you say, Ika, the Amri, ha-hoitzi, pater Okay, the Mishnah, we said, the other way of saying it is that the Mishnah, again, the Mishnah was ambiguous. The Mishnah only said that if you're not moitzi, it's mutter gamre. So maybe, so what's the implication? That if you were, if you did move it to Adamus, is it also made a rice or is it also derbanan? So in the first case, we said, well, maybe it's also derbanan. Now we're saying, no, maybe it's also derbanan. And we say, lame it to have it to you to derava. So then maybe if it is only also derbanan, it should be, should we say that it is a contradiction? Uh, data point against Rava, who calls it the Raisa, the Amarava, Mabim, Mitchis, Arba, Sof, Arba, the Vir, Derech, Halav, Chayev, that you're, of, uh, you're over the Raisa in the case where you're passing it over yourself. So the Gemara says, no, Mikitani, Hoitzi, Pater, Aval, Aser, Dilma, Imoitzi, Chayev, Chatas. You say, no, maybe the Mishnah is not implying that it's Pater, Aval, Aser, but rather it's Chayev, Chatas. So the Gemara leaves it, um, this open question, because the Mishnah is ambiguous, the Gemara is not sure. The Mishnah says that if you are standing in Rishas HaYachid and moving the object in Rishas HaRabim, that you're Pater, Aval, If you did, that's uh, assuming you didn't move it more than Daladamas. If you did move in more than Daladamas, would you be chayav midoraisa or would you be chayav derabanan? The Gemara entertains both uh, views, leading to our first Quranowitz moment that you have to be intellectually honest and you have to be open to different possibilities. Don't get locked in to one point of view, Quranowitz. All right. Uh, 12 lines down, two dots. Here we go. Okay, so Amar of Yosef, Hishtin Virak Chayav Chatas. Rabbi Yosef is saying that a person who urinates or spits from one right just to another, you're Chayav Chatas. You're saying urinating in public? Yeah, right. So, so we're going to see that the spitting in, in those days, right? So that that might be literally a cultural issue, because um, we're going to see in those days uh, by the at the end of this at this Gemara, we're going to see that there are a lot of uh, we're going to see a terrible um, that that spitting in public in front of your Rebbe was considered really terrible, terrible manners. 
And we have very not nice things to say about that. However, with regards to your nation, to your point, Goranowitz, we don't have somebody to say that. Now, I'm assuming that urinating in front of your Rebbe would also not be appropriate. We have, uh, we had Gemaras all over Brachos, right, where we were talking about how to go to the bathroom and different ways of, be, of being tzenua. So whatever is considered culturally acceptable, that would be Kobar uh, Abrios, would be very, very important. But it is certainly clear from these Gemaras that public, so to speak, not necessarily public, but outdoor urination was certainly common, much more so than, than uh, the indoor plumbing we have today. And therefore, there were a lot of different ways that they did it in order to do it privately and discreetly and with, with uh, Kobar Abrios. But be that as it may, there, maybe that led to having to go to the edge of town and being... In, uh, across some Rishuyos more often than we, than we realize. So, be that as it may, we have this idea of uh, spitting in your nation. Let's go with spitting for a second. Says the Gemara, Interesting Shaila. Interesting Shaila. We thought, says the Gemara, that in order to be over on Hotza, you have to start and end on a fourth Tfachim square. You guys remember this from Masechah Shabbos when we said that we had to have like a, like a solid platform on which to land on. We, we said it then, whether we throw something into a dog's mouth, is that considered a four by four tefach area in order to have a solid platform to land on? So you need to have a solid four by four tefachim launching pad and a solid four by four tefachim landing pad. Veleka, what does it mean, Veleka? Well, you're spinning, let's say, onto the ground. So you're certainly you're spinning it on terra firma. You're spinning it on something that's four by four tefachim. The question is not on where you're spinning it to. The question is where you're spinning it from. Your salivary gland, your mouth, is less than by four by four tefachim. So what the Gemara is asking is, by definition, your bladder or your mouth are not 4x4 four four tfachim, they're not coming from a solid place, and therefore, how are you over Havara? That's an interesting question. So the, so the, the Gemara gives, an, I think, even more interesting answer, which is, that your intent makes it a significant area. This is an interesting idea, as follows. In other words, dal by dal tfachim, right? Why do you say that you need to start and end from dal by dal tfachim area? Because it needs to have a certain hashivas, right? It needs to be a specific, like you're picking it up from a specific place and it's landing in, in a specific place. But we say that's in the absence of a specific, right, like mindset. That, but in, but if you have a specific reason why you're picking it up and dropping it off at a specific location, so if you have a specific reason, that would even be better. In other words, dal by dal by tfachim is only in the absence of a real reason why it's coming from one place or another. So, for example, in the case of spitting, the reason why it's coming from your mouth is because that's where the spit is, right? That's a really particular place, or urination, so your bladder is a very particular place. So once you have a real reason why it's coming from a, a, that place, you don't need dal by dal tfachim. If you didn't have, if it was just random, so then you need dal by dal tfachim just to justify that location. But here, in the case of, right, where it's coming from your body, you don't have to justify your location. Everybody knows why it's coming from there, because that's the only place it could be coming from. Okay. How do we know that this concept, this sort of esoteric concept of the object leaving and arriving on a place of what we'll call legal significance? Says the Gemara, Right? If not so, so then you would not be able to have the Shita of Rava. As we said, that if you throw, let's say, an object into a dog's mouth, or let's say into the opening of a furnace, why? Right? So let's say you're throwing it into a dog's mouth. So if you have a, a, a dog like, um, I don't know what breed it is, but Burbaum has a dog named Poppy, and he looks a little bit more like a rat. No offense, Poppy. He's a very, very tiny dog, and certainly his mouth is not a dal by dal tfachim area. If you throw it in his mouth, you're going to be chayiv midaraisa. How come? He doesn't have dal by dal. Says the Gemara. But your intent. Your intent. You had a specific need to, for this object to land in the dog's mouth. Why? You're throwing a treat into his mouth. Right? In order to feed him. So that's literally the landing spot. So hachanami machshava mashvelei makom. So here too, that's in the direction, so that in the dog is the direction of the hanacha. Here it's in the direction of the akira, where it's coming out from. But be that as it may, right? In other words, it's landing in a place that's more than dal by dal tfachim. So that's okay. As long as it's coming from a specific place, even if it's less than dal by dal tfachim, that's gonna be okay. So I saw the article quotes the Tosmos that says that 
In other words, if you only want to have a bullseye, right? You're going axe throwing with Andrew and Barry and Goranowitz. So if you're throwing it and your intent is just to hit a bullseye, that's not necessarily, even though that is an intent, right? If, if it was less than a dollar by dollar, fuck him. Andrew doesn't need more dollar by dollar, fuck him, bullseye, because that's very, very vast for him. He's very, very precise with his axe throwing, because he does a two-handed method. But the point is that if you, if it, that intent in itself isn't going to make it usher, like a, a significant area. Uh, but what is going to make it, that's what Tosos over here, Machshavaso says, but what is going to make an intent is if you have a Hanah in it landing in that specific place. So for example, you get a Hanah from it landing in the dog's mouth, right, because you're feeding the dog, or going into the furnace because you need to burn this object. And similarly, when you're spitting or you're urinating, you get the Hanah because you need to do so. So therefore, that relief is going to be um, the reason that's going to justify that it's coming from a place that's less than Dalad by Dalad, and you're still going to be Chayev. And so therefore, our Mishnah, which discusses that topic, can in fact uh, be talking about the chiv of doing so. So, fine. So now, uh, by Rava, Birnbaum thinks that if it was, I don't know what he meant by this, but he, he says if Ravzeira had asked this, they would have looked at him sideways in the base medrash. Okay, I don't know why he's picking on Ravzeira. But Rava asked an unusual question. By Rava, who bishes a yachod? Ufi amar bishes a rabbin. Yeah. Are you seeing his question already? You read it ahead? Yeah, not. Even before I read it, I want to Oh, that's yeah. Okay, so no, so of course we're we're trying to understand what the what the mission is saying, and 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 um, I think you're you're onto something. We're going to ask a question now that's going to be a teku, and there's a whole it's a whole discussion. You know, is 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 Mashiach teku? We say uh, allegorically that means Tishbi, right? That Yashiv Kushis Rabbis, the Tishbi is going to answer our question. That that Mashiach is. I don't know. I don't know that the question that we're about to ask is going to be the first question that Mashiach is going to answer. It could also mean that certain questions, once you get to the detail, are, are like we know ahead of time that they're unresolvable or that, that they're that they're going to remain unresolved. And uh, and hopefully one day we'll be able to figure out the answer. Oh, so that's a Quran what's the Muslim moment. The reason you're going to ask questions, even if you don't necessarily know the answer, is because we are, right, what do we do on Leil Seder? We ask, it's supposed to be the, the night of Amuna, right? And even though it's the night of Amuna, we're, so you think Amuna means, hey, listen up, kids, let me tell you how it is, and don't ask any questions. That's how a lot of uh, cultures view it. But we are not like that. We say, listen up, kids. Here are all the questions. What do we do, Goranowitz? We encourage them to ask the questions. That's what I, was, I heard in the name of Rav Soloveitchik, that he said it is all about asking questions. So we want to ask as many questions as possible. That is how, that's, that, that is how we keep our Messorah honest, Goranowitz. Wow. Don't be afraid to ask questions. By Rava, well, this question was, what if, right, he was in the Rosh Hashayachid, and so we were talking about a case where he and, right, the orifice of his male organ is with him in the Rosh Hashayachid, and, and everything is being expelled out into Rosh Hashayachid. What if he's in one, in the Rosh Hashayachid, and the tit and the end of his orifice is in, is in the Rosh Hashayachid? Mahu, right? It would be the same question. Let's say you had in the Rosh Hashayachid, you had, I think it would be the same question, you had a garden hose, right? And so the garden hose, was you had you know the uh, spigot or whatever it was in the rishus um, but then the tip of the hose was in the rishus harabim. So then mahu bosar akir azlinan or bosar yatsi azlinan? Do we go based on right where you turn the knob for the hose where the water is actually coming out of, but the water still has to go out through the hose, or do you judge based on where the tip of the garden hose is? At that point, right, if it's already in rishus harabim, maybe you're not going to be chayiv. That's a very interesting question, and the gemara leaves it as a teku teku. We don't know exactly what the luck would be there. I think it's a good question. Never be afraid to ask the question, Quran once, Okay. Uh, I don't think you need to be told that. Okay, two dots in the middle of the page. What's going on here? Oh, so now we're going to get into the topic of spittle, of spit, saliva. Says the Gemara, So we're going to see that we have a context, right, where Rabbi Yehuda says that you need to actually collect the saliva and kind of roll around in your mouth, okay, in order for it to be considered an actual item in your mouth that's not part of you. We'll see. That's not. We learned the mission in Caleb. You're eating 
uh, a soiled, you had your soiled unwashed hands, and you're eating figs, okay. So this is a pretty disgusting way of eating uh, by our cultural standards. But eating with your hands, your hands are dirty, this is not good for um, sanitary. Uh, and you're kind of like cleaning your hands by putting in your mouth. So now you've had saliva. Now, right now, now your fingers have saliva on it. Now, Rabbi Meir Metameh, what's going on here? Okay, so we know, we've already discussed that in order for something to be Mekabotumah, it needs to be moistened by one of the Zion Mashkim, by one of the, one of the um, right, liquids um, that are eligible to make something Tameh. And we also know that saliva is considered one of those liquids. So, Rabbi Meir is saying, you took liquid, you took saliva out of your mouth, and you put it on the figs, and now the figs are Mekabotumah. And Rabbi Yossi Metayer, whereas Rabbi Yossi says, no, 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 no. That saliva isn't considered like a standalone entity that you just like came out of nowhere, you got it in a vial. That just literally was in your mouth. You put your hand in your mouth and your, and your fingers like are moist from the saliva in your mouth, but that's not considered its own separate entity of a liquid such that it could uh, take away the status of, right, uh, making the food macabre tumma. Rather, that's considered just part of your body at that point. It's not a standalone part of your liquid, you know, unless maybe you spit it out onto your hands. That would be a different story, right? And then you have saliva on your hands, and then you have, a, if you spit enough saliva on your hands, and then you rub the dates with it, then the dates would be makabotuma, because saliva is, in fact, one of the Zayn Mashkim. But to stick it just in your hand and moist in your mouth and moisten it, uh, that way would not be considered uh, Zayn Mashkim because it's still considered part of your body at that point. Okay. So that was the Machalkas or Meir Biosi, where the saliva in your mouth is considered its own separate entity. Rabbi Yehuda, however, distinguishes. This is, notice our mission is Rabbi Yehuda. What does Rabbi Yehuda say in the mission of Kalim? Rabbi Yehuda, right? He makes the following distinction. If you're swirling the saliva around in your mouth, so by that point, you've, you've sort of uh, detached it from your salivary glands. It's no longer part of you, right? And therefore, that's going to be considered saliva that is independent of you, and it's going to be matame. As opposed to, if you just kind of had it collected in your mouth and you had not yet swirled it around, then it's part of your mouth. And then, and, and then if you just stick your hand in your mouth and moisten it with that saliva, so that saliva would not be matame, the uh, food, the figs, and that would be tahor. So Rabbi is making that distinction. Well, that's a contradiction to our Mishnah. Because in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda said unequivocally that you can't walk around with saliva in your mouth. He didn't say that, that you can't walk with saliva in your mouth and uh, only if you hipichba, but if you weren't mahapichba, that you can, right? That, that was Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah. So does Rabbi Yehuda hold of this, that saliva is part of you and you can carry it um, before you swirl it in your mouth or not? So how, do, how does he hold? So the Gemara is going to say as following. Amar Yochanan, amazingly, Muchlefet Hashita. Now, Muchlefet Hashita usually means that we have the wrong name attached to the wrong Shita. But Rashi explains it's not exactly the case here. Muchlefet Hashita here, Rashi explains, Hichlef Rabbi Yehuda Shitaso, Himena. So our school explains that, um, that initially Rabbi Yehuda held like he did in our Mishnah, that in our Mishnah, that the saliva is part of you. Uh, I'm sorry, that the saliva, even before you twirl in your mouth, it's considered independent, such that you can't even carry saliva that's collecting in your mouth uh, before you twirl it. And then he changed his mind, says Rashi. But that's the first suggestion that Rabbi Yochanan, uh, the great Gadol from Eretz Yisrael, said. The first suggestion was that initially he thought that the saliva was uh, not part of you, no matter what. And then over time, he said that he gave his shita and kalim and changed his own shita and gave his shita and kalim. Fine. So Rishlakish Amar Olam Lo Tachlif. Rishlakish said, no, 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 no. You don't change Rabbi Huda's shita on this. He was consistent throughout his life on a shita with, regarding to, with regards to saliva. However, what are we dealing with here in the Mishnah? Not with a person's saliva, but with his phlegm. In other words, our Mishnah here in Erevin is talking about phlegm, and the Mishnah in Kalim is talking about regular saliva. And that makes sense, right? Because phlegm is more substantial, and therefore if you're carrying around phlegm in your mouth, or the ground says spittle, so that is not part of you. Phlegm is not part of you. And phlegm is therefore, uh, you're not allowed to carry it according to Rabbi Huda, whether you swirl it in your mouth or you twirl it or any kind of thing that you're doing in your mouth, 
that's going to be not part of you, and therefore it's always going to be high of Karen. As opposed to just um, more, more viscous sort of liquid saliva. So there, that's where he's going to make the distinction in Masechus Kalim between whether you twirl it in your mouth or not. Now, that's Rish Lakish's explanation. But the Gemara says, is that really so bad, Tanya? We learned in Brisa, if you don't marry, Kicho vinit lush phlegm. Collect in your mouth, you can't walk uh, in Rish Rabin. My love broke vinit lush. In other words, right? In the Brisa, he says, Kicho vinit lush. That phlegm. So, in our mission, what does he say? Vinitlash. If you don't marry, af mission, nitlash, roko bifiv. So the word nitlash, that it's been what? It's been separated from you, is used in the context of spit in our, in our, um, in our Mishnah. So the point is, since you use the word nitlash for spit, just like you use the word, um, nitlash for phlegm in the Brisa, sounds like Rabbi Huda would hold that spit and phlegm are physically similar in the sense that once they are in your mouth, they're considered detached from you. And therefore, right, the Gemara is saying this idea that, that phlegm would be considered more detached than saliva, isn't borne out by the fact that Rabbi Huda is in fact using the word vinitlash in our Mishnah. The fact that he's using the word vinitlash in our Mishnah with regards to spit implies that he holds that it has similar properties to phlegm in the sense that it is not considered part of you once it is separated from you in your mouth. So the Gemara defends the Shalakish. He says, no, no, no. When it says vinitlash, he says, lo, kicho vinitlash. That Brisa is only referring to phlegm, but saliva would not be considered uh, a part of you, uh, would not be considered separated from you rather until it's swirled. Like, as opposed to phlegm that is always separate from you, saliva would need to be swirled to be considered separate of you. But the Gemara challenges again. I have a tanya. Uh oh. Here, Rabbi Yudah is going to say it explicitly. Rabbi Yudah, Omer, Kichol Shanitlash, Vechain, Roko Shanitlash. Uh oh. So, just like phlegm is not part of you, so too spit is not part of you. So now we have, now we have Rabbi Yudah cornered here. Right? It sounds like Kichol Shanitlash, Vechain, Roko Shanitlash, Lo Yahalech, Arba Amos, Achi Yorok. So we see that Rabbi Yudah is saying that it's considered, once it's in your mouth, it's considered separate from you, and therefore, whether it's phlegm or whether it's saliva, it's already considered separate from you, and now we're in trouble, because that is not a distinction that we had in Masechus Kalim. In Masechus Kalim, we said that you have to twirl it in your mouth in order to for it to be considered separate from you. So why is it that in the Mishnah, you we are saying that saliva and phlegm both are considered to be separate from you regardless of whether you twirl it in your mouth? So the Gemara is forced at that point to say, Ela machvarta meikara which is Rashi explains that we have to go back to the first explanation, which is that Rabbi Yehuda actually did change his mind throughout his lifetime, that initially when he taught our Mishnah, he thought that there was no distinction between whether you twirled it or not, and then later on when we learned the Mishnah and Caleb, he did in fact change his mind. He said that saliva is only considered detached from you once it is, um, once you twirl it in your mouth. Now, as advertised Goranowitz, we now tell a story, like Goranowitz said, he starts hearing about spitting and urination, all these things, he says, is this really appropriate? So the, the, the Gemara is going to address that issue, right? It's not always uh, appropriate, context is important. Amar Lakish, the aforementioned Rish Lakish, tells the following story, or the following idea. Kiach bifnei rabo, chayev misa. Wow. If you cough up phlegm, right? In high school, we used to call that hawking a loogie. I don't really know where the der- derivation is that from. But anyway, hawking up phlegm. Is Chayev the rice if you do it in front of your Rabbi? Shanamar call Miss Anai Ahavu Mavis. Wow, all those who hate me, meaning the Torah in that context, love death. Wow, that's very, very tense. Where's that passage from? Uh, not to Hillam, it's Mishle. Sometimes I play with, with Birmingham, guess where it's from. This is from Mishle. Atikri Misanai, right? It should, shouldn't say Misanai, Ella Masniai. Uh, this is right, change, sort of like playing with the grammar to say, not those who hate me, but those who cause others to hate me. How would people cause others to hate them? Very big Goranowitz Mr. moment. If people act, right, if a person is a Tom Chacham Goranowitz, a firm person who acts in a vulgar manner that doesn't, that makes people uncomfortable, that is causing the Torah to be hated because it makes a poor impression. And therefore, those people love death. As the Pesach says in Mishlei, a person should always be careful to act in a way appropriate for a Tom Chacham, for a Ben Torah, um, all the time in order to give the Torah a good name. Otherwise, it's a Chil Hashem. 
So that is what the Pasuk says. So what is that saying? It's saying that's how a person is acting when they spit in front of the Rebbe. That is not appropriate. So the Gemara says, Av is honest. In those days, culturally, that was considered honest. In other words, if you have phlegm in your mouth, what are you supposed to do? You have to spit it out. You can't just swallow it. Ew. So the Gemara answers, Kiach Virak Yeah, we were discussing where he coughed the phlegm in his mouth. So it's not just like uh, swallowing your saliva, which everyone always does. You have to do that. And therefore, if it was just saliva, he could have swallowed it. He didn't have to spit it out. Right? That's just when you're in the dugout in baseball, you're spitting out stuff all the time. But it, but when you're talking about actual what coughed up phlegm, so then you go over to the corner and spit it and spit it out to the side. You don't have to spit it out in front of your teacher, right? Um, and therefore, if you spit it out in front of your teacher, it means you're not sensitive enough, right, to the dignity of, of the teacher, to the dignity of the moment, and and therefore that is why the pasuk is so harsh in that regard. So we should always be careful to be as respectful as possible. I tell this to Andrew every day, and I've I've seen incremental improvement, Andrew. So for that, I have to give credit where it's due. Okay. Mishnah towards the bottom of the Tzadik Tesamanaf. Liyomot Adam Rishus Hayachid V'Yishtim Rishus Harabim. A person shouldn't stand in Rishus Hayachid and what? Drink in Rishus Harabim. We're going to see how that works. Rishus Harabim V'Yishtim Rishus Hayachid. And he can't stand in Rishus Harabim and bend for, and bend forward and drink in Rishus Hayachid. Ela imkain hichnis Rosh Veruba Lamakom Shushose Bechay Begath. We saw this in a different context. Context in Masechet. I think it was Brachos. Um, but a Kriben Shabbos. Anyways, uh, the Gat, the wine press. Okay, so we're going to see. You know, I'm almost sure. Okay, so so we'll see the wine press. So what's this idea of not being able to drink from one or the other? Well, you're drinking in Rosh Hashayachid, right? But if most of your head, where else do we see this? In Masechah Sukkah, right? If most of your head and most of your body is in the place where you're going to, going to drink, so this is in contrast with the previous Mishnah. In the previous Mishnah, you're patching, let's say, with a tennis ball. We don't have any, any concern, amazingly, that you're going to draw it closer to you, right? With the object, you're going to draw into whatever issues you're in. But with drinking, certainly, we're concerned that wherever you are, you're eventually going to bring that drink into that resource. So that if you're mostly in the resource where the drink is, then that's okay. But if most of you is, let's say, on the outside and drinks on the inside, we are, in fact, concerned you're going to move the drink and we're not going to let you drink in that way. Okay. So the Gemara says, Reisha Rabbanon, the Sefer Rabbi Meir, right? It sounds like we have a contradiction between the, our Mishnah and the previous Mishnah, right? Because the Meir says, it's Aser. And Rabbanon said, right, it's Mutter. So which is it? So, so, so the Gemara says, no. Amar Yosef, Now, this Mishnah is actually, everyone's going to agree with, right? Because what? It's an object that you need. In other words, the tennis ball that you just patching with, you don't need it. And that's why we can have a Machlokis Rabbi Meir and Rabbanon about whether, in fact, you're going to be drawing it towards you. However, the water fountain and you're, and, you're, and you're very thirsty, even the Rabbanon are going to agree that it's going to be an Isra, at least an Isra the Rabbanon, um, to be in a different domain than where you're drinking from because you're going to be drawn by it. Four lines up and by me, by Luke, Carmel is my. Now that, Allah, up until now, we'll be talking about Rishus Yachid and Rishus Rabbim. What about Rishus Yachid and a Carmelis or Rishus Rabbim and Carmelis? Amar Abaye, he, he. It's the same halacha. So Amar Abaye, he, Gufa Gezeira. But Carmelis itself is a Gezeira. Right, we know that Carmelis that typically that midrash you only have just a rabbim just a yachid, and the Carmelis itself is a rabbana domain. And what? We're going to make a gzeir like a gzeir on this. Where do I know my halacha? Mediktani from the Mishnah taught as we arrive at the test of the days. This is what we learned with regards to the wine press. In other words, the wine press now we're going to use as an example of a Carmelis, right? Because the wine press over there, right? It's not a rishus hayachid because it's a wine press, right? It's like a factory. And it's not a Rishus Rabbim because it's not, it doesn't have that kind of traffic. So therefore, the wine press is a Carmelist. That's what we were trying to teach in the Mishnah. By saying Vechem Begas, that's Gufa what the Mishnah was trying to teach you. That, it, that it's Usr in a Carmelist as well. As following. Says, but Rafa says no. But Rafa Amar Meiser. In other words, the reason we're saying now that the Mishnah brought up the idea of drinking in a gas was to teach you this very idea that you're not allowed to move from Rishus Rabbim or Rishus Yachit to a Carmelist and vice versa. That's what a gas is. Rafa is saying now that no, that we learned the gas not to teach you that, but teach you a totally different thing, which is what? The Indian Meiser. Right, and this is what Rosh also said. That the reason of gas was not to teach you anything with respect to Carmelis, but with respect to the halacha of Meiser. What's going on here with Meiser? It's not like we learned in Mishnah Meisers. Shoisin al gas. Right, you could drink over the gas. And we said before 
as you know, in those days the wine was mixed with water. Now, if you mixed the wine with cold water, you could always pour it back into the gut, right? And that would be okay because it wouldn't ruin the wine. If you mixed it with hot water, then you, that would ruin the wine if you poured it back. So then you're not going to be pouring that back in. But, but be that as it may, the mayor says that you can do that. You can drink by the gut regardless. Okay, I do, I, I'm almost sure this was, uh, when we learned this before, we did learn it before, I think it was in Brachos, a different context. Rebbe says, no, the fact that you're diluting the, the wine in itself makes it a formal way of drinking. And therefore, already, that's considered totally, uh, totally drinking. What's that going on here? Well, we know that it's the idea of, right, bringing miser for wine, right, separating it out. At some point, it's considered, right, snack, just like we know that with regards to the grains, if you're snacking and you didn't have bias yet, you're allowed to snack right in the fields and you don't have to take off miser yet, right? Similarly, if you're still drinking while the wine is in the wine press, you don't have to take off miser yet. But the question is, at what point do you have to take off miser? So the answer is going to say, already, this is considered drinking where you have to take off miser. That again, that the Chachamim are going to split it up. They're going to say, if you're mixing it with hot water, so then you've done an irreversible mixture and you prepared the wine in such a way, you're never going to pour it back in the barrel. So now you're already going to be high of Meiser. As opposed to if you mix it with cold water, maybe you're going to pour back whatever remains and therefore you're not going to be high of Meiser. Okay. But be that as it may, our Mishnah right, supports Rabbi Meir here because our Mishnah is going to say that you're allowed to drink Right, the 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 wine al hagas. Right, while it's still untied, that is what Rabbi Meir is saying. And therefore, since that's what our mission is talking about, it's also talking about the idea that you can that you're going to be chayiv in a carmelis, and it supports the idea of he he that that it's the same halacha that that whether it's in a carmelis or whether it's just a rabbim, it's going to be the same halacha. Okay, the next mission. Call it adam min Person standing just a rabbim can catch water in in the air. Right, it's falling from a gutter. Right, the gutter is less than ten tefachim from the ground. And you can drink in any manner from a drain pipe. And this is this is water that's coming up right from above ten tefachim. Right, so the question here is, how do you how do you navigate the airspace? We're going to see what's going on here as follows. It says the Gemara, call it in of a flow. That catching water in midair is going to be mutter, but pressing your mouth to the gutter is not. Why? My time. We're talking about. Ah, uh, we, we finally get to Andrew's three tefachim of lovud. So let's say the roof, for argument's sake, is ten tefachim high. So anything above that is going to be what? Remember, Rishus Rabbim only extends ten tefachim high. So, however, let's say you have a gutter that's only nine tefachim high. Now it's in the Rishus Rabbim. However, and an interesting case, right? It's between seven and ten tefachim high, which means it's within three tefachim of the roof. Therefore, the roof is considered Rishus Hayachim. And the gutter, even though it's already in Rishus Rabbim, the roof is Rishus Hayachim because it's on top of Rishus Hayachim and it's also above the Rishus Hayachim. So you would think anything from the roof. That, that goes down, that's above ten fachim will be okay. However, in this particular case, the gutter is below ten fachim, but what? It's within three fachim of the roof. Therefore, it's considered to have the same halacha as the roof, and therefore, as long as it's within three fachim of the roof, we use, we evoke the principle of lovud, and we say from that principle of lovud, that you, in fact, are not bringing it down to Rishis Rabbim, but still in Rishis Yachid. And Tanya Yachid, Omid Adam, Rishis Yachid, Magbir, Yadul, Malam, Yasar, Tfachim, Mishlosh, Asamak, Lagag, Vakolet, Vajalo Yitzar. As long as you don't press your hand against the wall, right, at that height to collect the water, it's going to be considered within three Tfachim of the roof, and it's going to have the status of the roof itself. Okay? And that Brysa basically just supports what we just said. Now we're going to bring another Brysa to support again. Same exact concept. Tanya Yidach, Lo Yamod Adam, Rishis Yachid, Vagbir, Yadul, Malam, Yasar, Tfachim, you can't stand Rishis Yachid. Lift your hand more than Yasar, Tfachim, Mishlosh, Asamak, Lagag, Vitzarif. Right, you can't go to a spot less than three tefachim from the higher roof, right, and press your hand against the wall, but you can catch the water, right, as it falls through the air at that point and drink it. However, finally, the Mishnah quotes the last piece of the, the, the last piece of the Mishnah, why can you drink in any matter from the drain pipe? So he says, 
If the pipe is a 4 by 4 Tfachim, as we said before, so then you can't drink because as we said before, once it's dialed by Dal Tfachim, that's considered its own right status of a Carmelist. It's considered its own Rishus. However, if it's less than 4 Tfachim, then certainly wherever it came from, it's considered to be in the same domain, and therefore drinking from the other end of it is considered not drinking from a separate domain. And so we've arrived at the Mishnah in the middle of Tzadik Testament base. As Andrew says, this is one of the best Amr and a half Yomi Shir uh, he's been to. Uh, but Hashem, we, when we come back from Tzachim, we will be doing full, full, full black and so Zalman Dover in the Mishnah in the middle of Tzadik on the base um, and Be'ezat Hashem will be in touch about the finishing of Masechus Erevin and the beginning of Masechus Pesachim Habal Eino B'Tayvah